We're going to be in Matthew 17 tonight. On October 26, 1881, four lawmen and five lawbreakers met at the OK Corral in Tombstone, Alabama, in Tombstone, Arizona, and it's known as the shootout at the OK Corral. There are two movies that I really like that have resulted from that from that that shootout, which is historically accurate. Is the, is the is the gunfight at the OK Corral came out in 1957, I think, with Burt Lancaster, Kirk, uh, not Kirk Russell, but King, Kirk Douglas. Thank you. And then Tombstone, which came out, I think, in the 90s with uh, Kirk Russell and Val Kilmer. Both of those are good movies, and they're about to shoot out the OK Corral. The backdrop is that um, Wyatt Earp. His brother Morgan, his brother Virgil, and then Doc Holliday were the lawmen. And then they were going against the against Ike and Billy Clanton and the Cowboys, who were outlaws. They had been rustling all of the surrounding cattle farms and just taking cattle and doing everything they wanted to do. And so Wyatt decided that something needed to be done, so there was a confrontation at the OK Corral. Well... They met at the OK Corral, and it lasted, the shootout lasted 36 seconds. And Billy Clanton and all of the cowboys were killed in that, in that uh, shootout. Wyatt Earp, Virgil, Morgan all survived, and also Doc Holliday. I bring that up because that movie or that historical situation was the backdrop for one of my favorite Star Trek episodes called The Spectre of the Gun. And I just I simply love that love that particular episode. And I hadn't thought about it in a long, long time. And then I probably a couple of months ago that movie, that particular episode came to mind again. So I watched it, and then as I was watching it, the Lord was trying to kind of pointing some things out that were happening in the natural that had spiritual ramifications. And so we're going to spend a little time talking about that tonight. Captain Kirk and the Enterprise, they went into Malkotian airspace, which is a violation of the code. And so the Malkotians then decided that Captain Kirk and members of his crew needed to be taught a lesson, and in essence, they needed to die because they violated Malkotian airspace. So they transported them from the Enterprise to Tombstone, Arizona, and OK Corral. And the thing about that is that Kirk, Captain Kirk was Ike Clanton, Chekhov was uh, Billy Clanton, and then Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Scotty were the Cowboys. The only thing that was inaccurate about their portrayal of the shootout at the OK Corral was they said in, in the episode that Billy Clanton lived instead of Ike, his brother. 
So that's the only difference. So we're going to go with Billy Clanton living instead of Ike, his brother. So Morgan Earp kills Billy Clanton. So he kills Chekhov. That's who Chekhov was. Chekhov was Billy Clanton. And so Spock recognized very quickly, he said, Captain, in history, Billy Clanton did not die. So what we are seeing here is unreal. It is not true. And so they know that at 5 o'clock they're going to have to face Doc Holliday and the Earps. And so they spend all their time trying to avoid it. And to the point that Dr. McCoy, he developed a tranquilizer. And so Spock, so, so Spock said, how do we know, how do we know it's going to work? Oh, McCoy said, how do we know it's going to work? And Spock said, it should work, doctor. Physical laws dictate that it would. So, they, he pulls out the tranquilizer and he lets Scotty test it. Scotty just sits there, break, breathes in the fume, nothing happens. It should have worked, and it didn't. Spock recognizes that immediately. And so we're going to pick it up with what Spock says as a result. He says physical reality, he says physical laws simply cannot be ignored. Existence cannot be without them. We are faced with a staggering contradiction. The tranquilizer you created should have been effective. Doctor, in your mind, in your opinion, what killed Chekhov? So after Chekhov is killed and the tranquilizer doesn't work, Spock understands clearly, immediately what the issue is. And so that's why he says that we are faced with a staggering contradiction. So what was the contradiction? There were two. First of all, Billy Clanton did not die at the OK Corral. That was the first contradiction. The second contradiction was that the tranquilizer should have worked. It should have worked. And because it didn't, Spock, when Spock saw what Spock saw contradicted what he knew about physical laws. What Spock saw contradicted what he knew about physical laws. And remember, we're going to look at the spiritual ramifications of all of this, okay? So in Matthew chapter 17, it's a, it's a passage that's been covered a couple of times recently, and we're going to take one more look at it with this in mind. And we're going to begin with verse 15. Jesus has been, been Jesus, Peter, and John have been at the Mount of Transfiguration, and so they're coming down from the mountain. And as they come down, a man runs toward them and falls at Jesus' knees. And we're going to pick it up at verse 15. Well, verse 14. And when they were come down to the multitude, there came to him a man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. Okay. And I brought them to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. When I read that, the first thing that came to mind was, why did they bring their son to the disciples? Why didn't they wait for Jesus? Why didn't they try to find out where Jesus was? Why did they bring the son to the disciples? Hold your finger here and go back to chapter 10. In chapter 10, and we're going to pick it up in verse 1, it says, when he, 
Jesus had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Jump down to verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So we know that they were sent specifically to the Jews. Okay? And as ye, and as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay? Now, so the disciple, so this father, evidently, he had heard about the miracles that the disciples had done. Okay? So that's why he brings his son to Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Because this is important, because this is talking about us. The father believed that the father didn't believe that he had to wait for Jesus for his son to be cured because he had seen the power of Jesus flowing through the disciples. He had seen the power of Jesus flowing through the disciples. Ladies and gentlemen. If the world is going to see Jesus today, the power has to flow through us. The power has to flow through us. Otherwise, this world is never going to see Jesus. Are you following me? The first thing that we see in this record is that the man realized that there was someone else who could cure his son other than Jesus, because they walked with Jesus. Are you following me? Okay? Let's read verse, let's see, verse, go back to verse chapter 17, and let's look at verse 17. Then he, then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Bring him hither to me. So we know that the father brought the son to the disciples because he knew that he believed the disciples could heal him, could cure him. Right. But Jesus said, oh, faithless, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? He was talking both to the father and to the disciples. Why is that, ladies and gentlemen? I will tell you why. This was not an authority issue. Jesus has already given the disciples the authority to cast out devils. So this was not an authority issue. So in other words, every situation you face, every situation I face, it's not an authority issue. It's not an authority issue. We have the authority. We were born with the authority. Very simply, it's a faith issue. It's a what do you truly believe issue. That's the difference. You got the authority. Satan and his entire kingdom knows you have the authority. 
He know they know that. They just don't want you using it. And so far, not enough of us are using that authority. So I wanted to point that out to you. What we're reading here is not an authority issue, ladies and gentlemen. For you, it's not an authority issue. It's a faith issue. It's a what do you truly believe issue. Okay? The disciples were faced with a staggering contradiction. Okay? Now, far too often, we are faced with staggering contradictions also. Are we not? And the sad part is that so many of us have been lulled to sleep that we no longer see the contradictions. Are you following me? We've been lulled to sleep and we no longer see the contradictions. Let me give you an example. Uh, hold your finger here and go to Luke chapter 13. In Luke chapter 13, let's pick it up in verse 10. And he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Where was he teaching, ladies and gentlemen? In the church. In the church. Okay. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. Where was she? In the church. Are you following me? She had been there how long? Eighteen years. Bowed over. I can't do it. I cannot do this justice, but I'm going to give you the best I got. Eighteen years. And And I can just see people saying, well, Miss So-and-so, let me help you to your seat for 18 years. OK, they had gotten used to seeing her that way. That contradiction, that was not a contradiction anymore for them. That is just what they saw. That, that was what they were used to. OK, hang with me. I'm going somewhere. And when he, Jesus, saw her, he called her to him and said, Unto her, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Why? Jesus saw the contradiction. He saw a woman bowed over, not walking like any other normal person would walk. That is a contradiction, ladies and gentlemen. But the synagogue people had gotten so used to seeing it, they were lulled to sleep. That's To them, that's just the way life was. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue was so blessed, so happy, so thrilled to see her healed, right? And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work in them. Therefore, come and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. Oh, you don't want to get healed on God's day. You want to get healed on every other day other than God's day. He said this, right? There are six days 
for you to be healed. Ladies and gentlemen, I went back and I did the math. There are 365 days if you take out all the Sabbath days, okay? And you multiply that by 12 and then 18, you get 5,616 days that this woman could have been healed and was not. And the synagogue ruler had the audacity to say there are six days when she should, when she could have been healed. Why are you doing it today? Because the other 5,619 days she was not healed. So we're going to do this today. Okay? And the Lord then answered and said, Thou hypocrite, I, I, I scratched the word thou out in my book, in my Bible, and I uppercase the word hypocrite so I can, hypocrite so I can get the emphasis. Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on your, on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound? Be low these 18 years be loose from the bond on the Sabbath day? And when he heard, when he had heard, when, and when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. I would think so. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I understand the people rejoicing, but they have been lulled to sleep also. Because they did not see the woman bowed over as an issue. They recognized that she was not healthy, but that was that was the extent of it. Okay, let's look at one more. Turn with me to chapter four of Luke. In Luke chapter four, we're going to look at. Let's begin with verse thirty-three. And in the synagogue, where are we? We're back in church. Okay, we're back in church. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. Where was he, ladies and gentlemen? In the church. And cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him. That word rebuke means he censored him. You know what happens when you get censored, right? (laughs) You get ignored. You are told to shut up. You are told to fall in line. So Jesus rebuked him and, and saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the mist, he came out of him and hurt him not. And, And they were all amazed and spake among themselves saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commandeth the unclean spirit, and they come and they come out. Can you imagine being in a church where there was an unclean devil in your midst every single Sabbath? And, and people, you have to know, they knew, they knew who he was. They knew who he was. And they probably let him sit anywhere he wanted to sit. And then they sat somewhere else. Okay. Can, I can just see him sitting where Stephen is and everybody else is on the other side. 
of the, in, on the left hand side of the church, right hand side of the church. But my point, ladies and gentlemen, is that that was a contradiction to the way life should be. And see, the kingdom of God is come to deal with the contradictions. That is why we are here, to deal with the contradictions. Okay? Now, admittedly, those contradictions are pretty, they're out there. But there are so many other contradictions that we have to deal with and that we don't even know. For example, I wear contact lenses. That's a contradiction, folks. And then I make it, I even add reading glasses. That's a contradiction to what the Bible says is available from the kingdom. Are you following me? Migraine headaches. That's a contradiction, folks. Diabetes. That's a contradiction. Heart disease. That's a contradiction, ladies and gentlemen. Don't want to get too far. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 12, we know the verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. Did he not say that? Did Jesus lie? No, he didn't lie. So if Jesus didn't lie, where is the problem? Barry is the problem. Jesus didn't lie. Barry is the problem. Because what Jesus said is still out there, waiting for Barry to walk into it and to fulfill it. Are you following me? Okay. I say that us as a church body not doing what Jesus said we could do is a staggering contradiction. Wouldn't you say? Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is the truth. So when the word tells us truth and we are not seeing that truth manifest in our lives, we are staring at a staggering contradiction. So Jesus rebukes the devil and the child is cured. And in verse 19, the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, why couldn't we why couldn't we cast out the devil? You know, Jesus, we knew we know you gave us the authority to do it. And, and because you gave us the authority to cast out devils, Jesus, we cast out devils. So we know the authority is there. We know we can do it. But Jesus, what's the problem? What, what, what are we missing? Okay. So they had recognized that something was wrong, but they did not know what it was. Now, let's go back to the Star Trek episode. Spock, doctor, in your opinion, what killed Chekhov? McCoy, a piece of lead in his body. Spock, wrong. His mind killed him. Physical reality is consistent with universal laws. When the laws do not operate, there is no reality. All of this is unreal. So Chekhov believed what he saw. Chekhov believed what he saw. When the father brought his son to the disciples, they believed what they saw. 
I know you're following. They believed what they saw rather than understanding who they were and the power that they have, just like us. Just like us. Spock says physical reality is consistent with universal laws. When a law is universal, it will always operate. But with the tranquilizer, it did not. Therefore, what appears to be real to McCoy is unreal to Scotty. Now, let's rephrase this. Let's rephrase what Spock says. Spiritual reality is consistent with universal spiritual laws. When the spiritual laws do not operate, there is no spiritual reality. The sick are not healed. The lame do not walk. The blind do not see. The dead remain dead. But just as universal physical laws cannot be changed, neither can universal spiritual laws be changed. But here is the issue, ladies and gentlemen. While they cannot be changed, they are simply not in operation. The spiritual law is there. It's just simply not in operation. Okay? All laws, spiritual and natural, are governed by certain truths. Okay? So let me ask, let, let me ask you a question. What truth governs the manifestation of spiritual laws in our lives? What truth governs our ability to overcome the contradictions that we face in the natural? Spock says Chekhov believed the bullets would kill him, but in terms of how physical laws operate, their, their situation is unreal. In terms of how spiritual laws operate, many of the situations we face are unreal in the face of physical, of spiritual law. Okay? Spock says Chekhov believed the bullets would kill him, and McCoy says, but I examined Chekhov and he's dead. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are about to see why we, the sons and daughters of God, living in a fallen world, are faced with contradiction after contradiction. Okay? Spock says, but you made your examination under, under conditions that cannot be trusted. You made your examination under conditions that cannot be trusted. We judge reality by the responses of our senses. Once we are convinced of the reality of a given situation, we abide by its rules. I'm going to read that one again. Once we are convinced of the reality of a given situation, we abide by its rules. Remember the lady who, who was battled for 18 years? The church was convinced that was reality, and they responded as if that was reality. Okay? We judge the bullets to be solid, the guns to be real. Therefore, they can kill. Chekhov is dead because he believed the bullets could kill him. Now, what Spock says is very powerful, especially in the spiritual context. But you made your examination under conditions that cannot be trusted. 
What are the conditions that cannot be trusted? We live in a fallen world, ladies and gentlemen. That's the condition that cannot be trusted. The, what the world is going to always give us is what is fallen. The world is always going to give us what is fallen. Okay? And we know from Genesis that when God created everything, it was very good. And, and in chapter 3, Adam brought sin into the world. Sin is now corrupt. And now Romans chapter 8 says the whole world, all creation is groaning because of that sin. Okay? So it, it bombards us with conditions and circumstances that cannot be trusted when compared to the word. Spock says we judge reality by the responses of our senses. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where the majority of the body of Christ is. They are still walking by what they see, what they hear, what they feel, rather than by faith. That's where we are. It's a sad indictment, but that is where we are. If our judgment is not based on who we are in Christ Jesus, then we will agree with the false realities that we see and respond accordingly. We will agree with the false realities that we see and respond accordingly. Going back to the lady who was bowed over, that was a false reality as far as the Bible says. But the people believed it, and they responded accordingly. Okay? For me, this explains why there are a lot of Christians who were in fear of COVID-19. This explains, it explains that to me clearly because they spent a lot of time in front of the television watching reports about the rising infection rates, the rising deaths. And they then, because that's what they listened to over and over and over, then they began to develop a fear that they could be infected. Remember what Spock said? The bullets didn't kill Chekhov. His mind did. That was the same situation here with COVID-19. So many in the church were so wrapped up in what they were listening to, and instead of turning off the TV and stop all that nonsense from coming into, and yes, I called it nonsense because when it compares for the word of God, it was nonsense. At least I wasn't like Paul and called it dung. I could have. <laughs> okay. And I think about Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth. So many stories. This one particular one, this guy was in a funeral home. He was already laid out in the casket. He'd already been embalmed. And the Lord had told him to go raise him up. And so Smith goes, pulls the man, pulls the body, body out of the casket, slams him against the wall, and tells him to live. The body slides down the wall. Smith picks the body back up, slams it against the wall. I said live. Body slides down. The third time, the man breathed. The man breathed. For Smith Wigglesworth, This was reality. This was reality. What he saw, a dead man in a casket, was not his reality because God had given him an assignment. So this had to be his reality. Okay? We're finishing up. One more. 
Spock also said, once we are convinced of the reality of a given situation, we abide by its rules. Once we are convinced of the reality of a given situation, we abide by its rules. Ladies and gentlemen, when are we going to be convinced of the reality of this book and abide by its rules? When are we going to reach that point? And we're not going to reach that point, ladies and gentlemen, until we see the contradictions. We're not going to reach that point until we see them. This is our reality. I asked the Lord one time, it's been a while ago, why do we hear so many messages on faith? Why are we hearing so many messages on worship? And why are we hearing so many messages that draw us back to trying to understand who we are? And he, he was very clear. He said, because most of you are not getting it. My pastor said, don't ask the Lord a question if you don't want an answer. <laughs> Most of us are not getting it. That's why there's, in a lot of ways, we go over similar ground over and over because we're, you know, it's like it's trying to, you know how you have dirt in a place and so you can't get to it so you turn on the water faucet and you turn on the hydrant and you flush the water and you move the dirt, you move the dirt. We got so much dirt up here that we need this constant flushing. And that's what it's all about. Okay? Kirk says if we do not allow ourselves to believe that the bullets are real, they cannot kill us. Spock, exactly. I know the bullets are unreal, therefore they cannot harm me. Doubt and unbelief magnify the seen over the unseen. Doubt and unbelief magnify the seen over the unseen. The disciples asked Jesus, why could we not cast him out? We know that spiritual reality is consistent with spiritual laws. We have operated the spiritual laws of casting out devils before. We don't understand why it didn't work this time. In verse 20, Jesus gives them the reason. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. The Amplified Bible says, because of the littleness of your faith. That is your lack of firmly relying trust. Now, here's the lesson, ladies and gentlemen. The faith that you have for one situation may not be enough faith for another situation. That is why our faith needs to constantly be on the upward path. It needs to be constantly growing because what worked for you now may not work with the next situation you faced. And I know that. There have been times when I have prayed for people and they were healed immediately. Another time I prayed for a person, did not happen immediately. So I know that there was a there, Barry was here at that place when the healing occurred instantaneously, but he was not at that place where this healing could occur instantaneous. There's got to be some growth. There's got to be some maturity. Okay. Okay. 
The disciples had faith. They had walked in the authority of that faith. They had cast out devils, healed the sick, just as Jesus had commanded. What made this situation different? Jesus tells us how to derail doubt and unbelief by identifying the truth that governs all spiritual laws that unfold in the natural. What is the truth that governs all spiritual laws that unfold in the natural? And Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verse 12, the first thing he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. The, he that believeth on me. When Jesus tells us we can do the works that he did, he tells us what governs that truth. So what governs the truth of us being able to do the works that Jesus did? We have to believe on him. So, ladies and gentlemen, if we're not doing the works consistently, that tells me that we are not believing on him the way we think we are. Okay? Let's wrap this up. So Kirk says, if we do not allow ourselves to believe the bullets are real, they cannot kill us. Spock, exactly. I know the bullets are unreal. Therefore, they cannot harm me. Kirk, we must all be as certain as you are, Mr. Spock, in order to save our lives. Spock, precisely. Then Kirk, but but that's not possible. There will always be some doubt. Spock. The smallest doubt would be enough to kill you. Let that sink in, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'm not talking about doubt that's going to kill you physically. But if you have doubt, the promises in God's word, they may not, they they will probably not be available to you. You are essentially killing them in your life by having doubt. You are killing them by not doing what Jesus tells us to do. He that believeth on me. Okay? So, as Kirk and Spock are winding up this, this conversation, they, the, the, the Enterprise crew are immediately transported to the OK Corral. And so Kirk, fear starts rising up in him. And he says, you know, if we don't, Spock, the only way we are going to survive this is to have the Vulcan mind meld. Okay? In other words, our mind has to be your mind. Our thoughts have to be your thoughts. And so Spock does the Vulcan mind meld. Okay? And he talks to each one of them. He begins with Scotty. He goes to McCoy. And then he talks with Kirk last. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you guys my best spot voice. Your mind to my mind. Your thoughts to my thoughts. The bullets are unreal without body. They are illusions only. Shadows without substance. They will not pass through your body. For they do not exist. Unreal appearances only. Nothing but ghosts of reality. They are lies, falsehoods, specters without bodies. 
they are to be ignored. When I read that, I thought about a lot of the situations that I have faced over the years. That if I had looked at them through the eyes of faith, responded through the eyes of faith, the, res- the outcomes would have been different. Okay? So how do we deal with contradiction? Verses 20 and 21 tell us. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith of the grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto the mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Verse 21. Howbeit, this kind goeth out, not but by, this kind goeth out, goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So we know that the mountain to be removed is unbelief. We understand that. But what I want you to see is, faith is the truth that governs the spiritual law that takes place. Okay? Faith is what is needed in order for their spiritual law to take place so that they could cast out the devils. But Jesus tells us two sub-truths. The first sub-truth is you need to pray, particularly praying in tongues. And the second sub-truth is you need to fast. Okay? Without the prayer, without the fast, you won't have the faith. Okay? By prayer and fasting, Jesus identifies two sub-truths that govern faith, which governs the manifestation of spiritual into the natural. The more we pray, particularly in the spirit, the more we fast, the more doubt and unbelief are removed from our lives. And we will gain more access as we do that to the mind of Christ. We will gain access to the mind of Christ. And Paul talks about the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. And then when we have the mind of Christ, Mark chapter 11, again, verses we're very familiar with become They become more and more of a reality to us. For verily I say unto you, that whatsoever, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not do what in his heart? Doubt in his heart. He shall have, he shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe, or doubt not, that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Just as sure as Spock was that the bullets were unreal, we, have, we can be just as sure that in the face of staggering contradictions, the promises of God are real. All that's required of us is to eliminate the doubt and unbelief we have in us about the truth and reality of God's word. We have to eliminate the doubt and unbelief we have in us about the truth of this book. I know that's not easy for some to hear, and it's not easy for me to say, because when I say that we have to remove the doubt and unbelief, I'm talking to Barry, because there's still too much in his life. So say this with me. I say, 
staggering contradictions, you will no longer be a wall in the miracle working power of God in my life. Amen. After receiving the Vulcan mind melt, Doc Holliday and the Earp, they began just to shoot, 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 shoot. And the bullets just went right through them, right through Kirk. It went through McCoy. It went through Scotty. And it went through Spock. After they stopped shooting, Kirk runs over to Wyatt Earp, wrestles him to the ground, takes his gun, points his gun at him, but does not shoot. He cocks it, lets the cock down, and lays it on the ground. Immediately, they are transported back to the Enterprise. Because the male coaches saw that they were not the war-type people that the male coaches believed them to be. Okay? Just as the Malkotians misjudged Kirk and his crew, let's make sure that Satan misjudges us. Let's make sure he's faced with a staggering contradiction. A group of people who actually believe what the Bible says and acts on it. 